Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a painter. He's an individual who has had his own unique experiences where he was once hooked on alcohol, drugs, spent time in prison. But today he is lifting up the name of Prince Emmanuel. Clement James Reed, welcome to Upward Way. Thank you, brother. Um, it's great to be on your, your podcast. And I hope that my story um, leads some people out of darkness and send them to the light of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's all about calling persons out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus. Before I get into questioning you and asking you to share some more about your life, Brother Clement, I just want to say to the listeners, that you can subscribe to weekly episodes. You can opt for the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. And of course, you're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. Click like and leave a comment. So back to you now, Brother Clement. I want you to tell me a bit about your story. Where did you grow up and how life was for you maybe as a child as you transition into into your teenage years? I live in a, um, in Halifax, Nova Scotia now, like five, six hours away from where I'm from. It's an island called Cape Breton. It wouldn't be strange now to people, but it was strange to me. My grandfather's from the Barbados, and my other grandfather's from Italy. So my dad was black, and my mom was Italian. And... Where I grew up was very racist at the time. Not all white people, but a lot of white people. They didn't like black people or Italians. They had the island broken up into yards. 14 yards, that's where I was from. Then 15, 16. And the reason why in the Second World War, they believed, the Canadians believed that the Italians were... um, our enemy, so they wanted to put them in certain spots where they could watch them. And the black people never had rights like the white people. Like my dad was a drinker, and he told me that even though he had a new car and had his own business, he couldn't drink where the white people drank, and he was a drinker. So he had to go where the black people were. Um, they had many places, he said. And he could go in the 14 yard where the Italians were. And that's how he met my mother. So they they got together. They weren't married um, in the eyes of the Lord. My dad was a Baptist. My mom was a Catholic. Although nobody made us go to church, we were raised as Catholics. Didn't take me too long to find out that if you weren't baptized, the Catholics referred to you as heathen. My dad was a bad alcoholic, abused my mom, not physically, but mentally with his mouth. Um, And we were all full of nits and lights and come from a very clean home. So we didn't have the best upbringing. So um, I started smoking fairly early. I, I, uh, I used to sniff gas or even hit my teenage years. I did anything to stay away from the abuse, but really I was abusing myself. So it wasn't a, wasn't good. Um, then I hit my teenage years, and I I did anything to stay out of the house. I started drinking, and I was smoking cigarettes, and I was selling weed, and until I I worked myself up to um, I was drinking one night, and I ended up. He was the mailman in our neighborhood, and I bet this mailman up drinking, 
and I threw a garbage can through a window. Didn't remember hardly any of it. And I ended up getting six months in jail where I figured I could be in better shape. But then when I got to the jail, I figured, you know, wow, it's even worse here. I was never black enough. I was never white enough. So I was sort of in the middle. So it wasn't the best upbringing, I guess. That is really tough. And I don't know how many persons today can relate to your experience of, you know, having your, your parents, both of them already being discriminated against. And you said your father had his business, but despite that, he was unable, he wasn't permitted to, to drink with the whites. And you mentioned that your mom, an, an Italian, was seen also as an outcast. So I just want you to maybe elaborate a bit about, you know, your own experience, as you said, you know, being biracial, not black enough, not white enough. Of course, you did mention in prison, that was where you faced most of it. But, you know, how did that make you feel? Because I've, I've heard stories of persons, you know, being biracial and they are saying, I don't, I, I don't know where I stand. I can't really connect with this heritage or that heritage. It's like, it's total confusion. Was that the same for you? How was this like for you? Yeah, I was totally confused. I was always trying to be somebody that I wasn't. And my father or my mother or nobody else in my family ever told us the difference. They didn't explain to us what we were supposed to do. Or... So I was always pretending to be somebody else. I guess all I knew was that everybody hated us. I didn't know if I was supposed to be black, if I was supposed to be Italian. I always looked at myself. And I said, well, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. I went through a lot of um, changes. I heard so many racial comments in my whole life and just really tore me apart. So then I, I became violent. And I figured out the more violent that I became, the better it was for me, and I wouldn't have to listen to racial comments. And I could always try to numb my pain with drugs. I guess that's the best way to say it, with drugs and alcohol. That's quite a story, and I hope that the listening audience would have really picked up on what you just mentioned, that with so much abuse being filtered in to you as a means of trying to fill that void to, to block the pain you ended up not intentionally but you started abusing yourself which you know brings me to a point that i've always heard that you know hurt people hurt people you know when someone is hurting they hurt others and many times they hurt themselves I want to transition now to where you are today because you're no longer hooked on drugs. You're no longer hooked on alcohol. You're no longer abusing others. And I remembered something you shared with me that, you know, you are in excess of 1,900 days sober. So as it relates to your faith journey, where and when did this all begin? It started for me, I think, back in um, 2000 when I was watching this, this guy on TV and he was a bank robber in the States. They never caught him. And so the, the dragon put in my mind, I can do this and I'm not going to hurt anybody. So make a long story short, I went down and I... I robbed the bank, and I got away with it. And then I went fairly soon to rob another bank. And when I went to rob this other bank, I got caught. When I went to rob the other bank, um, they gave me a decoy bag, and it blew up in my truck. So then I went to another bank to rob another bank, and that's why I got caught. So I ended up getting charged with robbing the first bank I this is that I got away with. I got charged at robbing that bank. 
and two other banks. Two bank robberies and attempted bank robbery. So I end up getting um, spending about four years in prison. And when I got to prison, um, I started to research the papacy, the Catholic faith. Because my mother was a Catholic, and we were brought up in Catholic schools and everything, but we weren't forced to go. My mother told me so many stories. I just wanted to, for some reason, it must have been the Holy Spirit. So I researched the whole Catholic faith, and, um, and I seen there was a problem. Not the Catholic people themselves, the papacy, the system. They weren't teaching the truth, so I was actually reading the Bible. And this is when I got um, baptized, Baptist, in prison. And I got really close to the Lord. And um, I think it was around the end of 2004 when I got out. And um, I ended up meeting this girl. I left the Lord. I ended up meeting this girl. And um, I got drinking and drugging and stuff again. And um, I end up robbing another bank and got caught again. Wow. And then wow. I went to prison. Yeah. And um, I had a really good lawyer. When I robbed the banks, I wasn't a violent person. I went in, into the banks with a note saying, this is a robbery. I got a gun. Fill the bag. Actually, even forgot to bring the bag. So I had a good lawyer. I knew the justice system really well. I had to go for a few more years. And when I went this time, I got really close with the Lord. I probably read the Bible two or three times. I knew I was locked up behind steel and um, concrete. But I knew I was free because I was with the Lord. And when I got back out in 2011, I was with the Lord, and I didn't want to go back into crookedness. But sure enough, the scripture says, when the Lord cleans, cleans, your, cleans you out, all the demons leave, and then seven worse ones come in, if you let them back in. So I had seven worse ones came into me, and I went on a a drug and liquor for five years. Um, and it was day in, day out. I couldn't, couldn't go to work without bringing liquor. I was stealing. I was, oh, it was terrible. Picking butts up off the ground. It was terrible. And at the end of five years, I said to the Lord, and this was 1900 and I think pretty sure 25 days ago. I said to the Lord, just take my life. I said, I was close with you. And you see how the devil had me believing that even my breath was a waste. So I said, even my breath is a waste. Lord, just take my life and let's just leave me die right here. I'm better off dying. You know, I'm worthless. I can't, I can't even pass the liquor store. And after a couple of days of praying... I said to him, if you can get past the liquor store, I'll give my life back to you, and this time I'll never leave. So um, past the liquor store, that down I went. Even now to this day, every time I say liquor store, I say, but by your grace, Lord, but by your grace. So he took me past the liquor store, and um, I started going back to a Baptist church. And I went for like four or five months, and... Every week I would get there, they would say, oh, sir, you know, what's your name? Basically, they, they didn't remember me. They wanted me to fill out these papers, who I was, where I was from, right down to where I worked and stuff. So this is where I truly spoke to the Lord. The Holy Spirit said one day when I left the church, he said, sit down here, Clem. This was like I had five months sober, just me. And I never had any Christian friends. And... um he said, here's what I want you to do. 
when you go back there next Sunday, I want you to ask the pastor. The Lord actually gave me this to write down, and it was very humbling. It wasn't mean or anything. You know, if you, if you want to know me, why don't you just ask me my name? I wish I would have saved it, but it was from the Lord, and I wrote it all down on my phone, and um, I was arguing with the Lord all week. I said, you know, sort of like uh, Moses did with the Lord. So, you know, he said, I stutter. I'm not a good speaker. I was doing the same thing with the Lord, and I actually spoke to the Lord. He was speaking to me, and he said, after all I'm doing for you, he had taken the drugs from me. He had taken the cigarettes from me. He had taken the liquor from me. And he he told me, you see what I'm doing for you? Just please read. I just want to, I thought he wanted to see if he, he had in my heart. So sure enough, I went in on Sunday. I'm just making a long story short. I went in on Sunday and they wouldn't let me read it. I said, well, this is my father's house. Uh, look, I showed him it and everything. I said, it's not bad. I just want to. He said, no, you can't do that. So anyway, after I left, then the Holy Spirit set me down again. And he said he was trying to lead me to the Adventist church. I didn't I didn't realize at the time because I prayed for truth. I want to know truth. And um, he said to me, um, this is after a couple hours, you know, um, Google up what day Jesus went to church. So I Googled it up, and it was seventh day, which was Saturday. I didn't know this. I didn't know. I said, wow. So, okay, I know what you want me to do. Instead of going to church here on Sunday, go on Saturday. I probably have a Saturday service. He said, no, no, no. He never said like that, no, no, no. But then ask a few more questions. Find out if there's any church that worships on Saturday. So when I called up, and I, I found this the church I go to, 35 Lakecrest. This is when I found out that, wow, there's a whole denomination called Seventh-day Adventists. And they worship on Saturday. So I called up, and I went there on Saturday. And when I, when I got in the church, you know, I was probably, I probably weigh about 230 pounds now. I work out and stuff. I try to eat healthy, jog and stuff. When I got to the church, I was like probably about 180 pounds. I wasn't really eating well, even though it was like five months later. Um, I felt when I got in the church, I felt, wow, I'm home, Father. This is this is where you want me. And everybody was nice to me. And uh, there was a sister there. At the end of the, the service, she said to me, I never forget, I can still see her standing there. She was, uh, she's still an elder. She said, well, you know, I hope you enjoyed your visit. Are we going to see you again? And I said, you'll never get rid of me. And they never did. And now I'm um, I'm going to be ordained a deacon soon. I learned the whole sanctuary message. I'm studying last day events now. I'm studying with Pastor Myers. I never had teeth when I got there. Now I got two sets of teeth. My own BMW. I got a lifetime job. Um, I'm going to be going into marriage soon with a girl from the church. So we're reading um, Adventist Home together now. The pastor says I'm a, what's the word he used? It'll come to me. Sometimes I get a mental block. I'm a. Is that brunch? The burning? Is that the one? That's right. That's right. Wherever I go, I tell the people about Jesus. And I try to tell them my story quickly. And this is how I, I made it. And the Lord, I prayed all week, and I got my brothers and sisters for prayer meetings every day. I tried to go through my story quick, but um, I just want to mention a couple of other things. So, Sorry to cut in. <laughs> and... You said you want to go through your story yeah. quickly, but uh, you don't have to rush it. There are some things you have um, touched on and, you know, just for persons to understand, because sometimes individuals give the impression as if we can just start doing something 
and then we just stop when we feel like it. So you you did relate, you know, going through a period where you know you had um, be, been using substance, but yes, you were powerless, so to speak, to stop. But when you said to God, you yes. know, God, please take control of my life and lead me, that was when it all stop so you know in case someone is skeptical thinking it's coincidental you know what would you say to someone who scoffs at god's ability to just bring about an instant change in a person's uh, circumstance i would say this um when the dragon had me um when i was in in this state i was afraid all the time and when i was in prison i was an enforcer i used to um beat people up for drugs and alcohol. And uh, I always had drugs and alcohol. I got to a spot in my life where I was afraid all the time. And it was like, the best way to explain it is, I was on a ship and the ship was shaken all the time. I mean, like in a bad storm and the ship wouldn't stop. I'm afraid of the water, I can't swim. So I asked the Lord, please, Lord, please make it stop, make it stop. And after I prayed to him for a couple of days, he made it stop. The scripture teaches me this. If you're real with the Lord, through his word, he'll be real with you. Philippians 4 and verse 3. Yes, my true and faithful companion. Help these women who have intended for me for the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and my other co-workers whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice in the Lord, I say rejoice. That's my name, Clement. Um, and I researched Clement when he walked with Paul. Everything I ever said to the Lord in the last past five years, I always kept my word to the Lord, and he always kept his word to me. I didn't just, just say after five years of drunken stone and steel and everything else, yeah, okay, Lord, can you help me? And that was, no, no. I had to show the Lord um, that, okay, I want out of the world. And this is why he showed me the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And now I have over 50 scriptures memorized. I have the sanctuary message memorized. I'm doing a study on last-day events. And he wants me to use my story to let people know that, guess what? He's still in charge, and if you, he's knocking on the door of your heart. And if you just let him in, it's your choice. No matter what the devil tells you, how deep you think that he got you, how far he made me feel that I, my breath wasn't even worth breathing. He's a liar. Jesus will help you, but you have to make the choice. If you make that choice and be real with Jesus, he'll be real with you. And guess what? He'll change your life. He's a chain breaker. He broke all of my chains. He took the drugs, the liquor, the, all this stuff that he took from me. The devil can't even tempt me with it anymore. He can't even tempt me because I'm with the Lord. And I just want to say that one day I said to the Lord, this is how evil the devil is. I said, this was like probably about three years ago. I said, please, please, Jesus, whatever you do, don't let me find any money because I don't know if I'll be able to, to give it back. And one day I got off the bus and I looked and there's $645 in this wallet. And all the guys' credit cards... I could see the devil saying to Jesus, I bet if you put some money in front of him, he'll keep that money. And Jesus said, no, he won't. So he put the $645 in front of him. I never even had a thought in my heart. I wasn't driving at the time. No, I was taking the bus. And um, it took me three days, and I found the guy. I forget his name. But three days later, he drove to my house. And I said, here, sir, I found your wallet. And where he dropped it at was a very um, bad place. And the guy was so happy. He said, I want to give a reward. I said, no, no, the Lord gave him my reward. He gave me integrity. And what a good feeling this is. And he gave me two $20 bills 
and I took the two twenty dollar bills and I um I gave them something that was going on in the church. But when the Lord saves your life, if you stick to your word with him, that's all I can say is this. I know um, if the Lord wakes me up tomorrow, I know it's going to be a good day. Why? Because Jesus is going to walk with me. I'm just so happy to have him in my life now that a lot of people come up to me and they talk to me. And they say, Clem, you really inspire me. We've been watching you, and you really inspire me. And and I want to walk a straight and narrow path because I want my son. I have a son. He's in drugs and alcohol now, and I want him to see what the Lord does. And my dream is to one day go um, and me and him minister together and tell our stories together. This is how good God is. If you be real with the Lord, he'll be real with you. He protects you. Um, I ask for his protection daily, and I can see that he protects me. Now, don't get me wrong. I still get attacked. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. And these, these three categories, all sin, the devil comes at you with all of it. And he comes at me all the time. And I used to be a real lustful guy. But now... I have all my friends, all my friends, all the women, are they're all, each and every one are beautiful. And we're really friendly. They're my sisters and the Lord. And even though I like to give a lot of compliments, and most of my friends are from Jamaica, they know me. They say, we know you, Clem, and we know you mean good. And, and, and their husbands were really friends, were really good friends, you know. The reason why I say this is, I never looked at one of my beautiful friends and had lustful thought. The devil tried it. When the devil comes with that, I throw James 4, 7 at him, and he runs from the Lord. I submit myself to you, Father. I resist the devil, and he will flee from me. I'll become closer to you, and you become closer to me. Thank you, Father. I might have to say it three or four times, but after that, the devil runs. His darkness can't stand in the light of our Lord. This is how good he is. I only pray that um, my story will help somebody who's in a dark, dark place and thinks they can't, there's no way out. If it wasn't for Jesus, even when I robbed them banks and I went to prison, because I used to be a good fighter in prison, they tried to kill me in prison and everything, beat me to death. And the Lord was with me. They had me locked up for a long time alone. I was trying to heal, but I was reading the scripture, and I got closer to the Lord. And the Lord, throughout my whole life, he was always trying to tell me, um, Clement, every tear you cried, I cried too. I was always there for you. We wouldn't be able to love anybody if it wasn't for Jesus loving us first, because he is love. That's what I say to my woman all the time. I like, how could I love you unless the Lord loved us first? I mean, he showed us. She knows the scripture really well, too. She's she's a professor. She lectures in college. Her upbringing was totally different than mine. She's from Zimbabwe. But what we got in common is we really love the Lord, and our goal is to have a ministry to plant seeds for Jesus. This is all we want to do show the people how good he is and what he did for us and he wants to do it for them as well praise the lord as i chime in a bit there are a few things i want to really uh, get back to you know you you spoke about being an enforcer not everyone understands the concept of who an enforcer in so let me just share two quick points so in sports you know an enforcer would be someone who is strong aggressive or intimidating player and this person's role would be to protect his or her teammates. But as it relates to other aspects, this is someone who imposes their will by violence and intimidation. So I can understand what you meant when you said, you know, you came to God and you surrendered to him because all before anything you wanted as an enforcer, you would get it. But now you have yes. to depend on God. And 
you know, what I find instrumental is that the things that you went after were not things that were for your good. But as soon as you surrendered to God, he has been providing you with everything that is good. And you outlined that pretty soon. Marriage is on the card. There is one point I want you to address quickly. Prison ministry. So while you were in prison, you had access to material. You, you were able to conduct research, but you also had access to, to the Bible. What would be your word you know, to individuals as it relates to how powerful prison ministry can be? Because you know we often think that persons on the outside that, okay, here's a good-for-nothing criminal, lock him up, lock her up, throw away the keys, right? Because the mindset mm. many times is that there's nothing good. Once you are locked up, that is it. So prison ministry somehow would have been beneficial to you. So what would be your word to individuals as it relates to the powerful ministry that is called prison ministry? When I was in prison, I walked, this is after being an enforcer. I went to church every Sunday. I tried to help people read the scripture with, listen, this is, this is not where the Lord wants you. You weren't meant to be here. And I would read the scripture with them. The people were sort of nervous of me because they didn't know if I went, was on drugs or if I went crazy or what happened. But even though I was in prison for robbing the bank, I knew I was free. The Lord set me free. People could see that from talking to me. Um, in this prison, we had a real big, thick cement wall and behind the steel, and but it didn't bother me. I used to be out feeding the birds and talking to the people. I would be the guy you'd want to come in your house because I paint for a living. You'd want me to come into your house because, well, even now, I, um, I went to finish a painting job today. And the people set me down, and they, not today, but the, the other day, and they said, Clem, what a good, and these are people who, who's got a lot of money, living, you know, a couple million dollar home, and they said, Clem, people come here, and um, they said, we got a nice home, and we're doing well. She said, yes, we are doing well, but, and they try to get our money as quick as possible and leave, but you, we really appreciate what you're doing for us. And I'm so glad that we picked you as a painter. Um, you're just a real good person. I was trying to tell him about the Lord and whatnot as well, too. I seen this guy in prison when I first got there, and he was a life where he had killed somebody. And the Lord saved him. And I didn't really believe him. You know, I said, yeah, he's, just, he's probably doing that just to go to what. But now I know. When I got out of prison... And when the Lord showed me the Seventh-day Adventist church, from when I was on that drinking for the five years and all, I had lost my license. I owed 5,500 in fines. I had no teeth. My teeth were almost right out of my mouth. And, uh, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I wonder if I could ever get teeth again. Because the devil used to tell me, you'll never get any teeth. Look at you, you're not. And the Lord took me to Dalhousieville. And I got the first set. Um, and then after that, they called me up. This $6,500 set of teeth. They called me up and they asked me, you were such a good patient. Would you like to come? We'll pay you $100. They give you another set. So they gave me another set. So I got two sets of teeth. And then they called me up the next day. They wanted me to be a regular. I said, no, no, I can't come anywhere because I'm working, right? But that's what the Lord does. Um, John 10, 10, thief come to steal, destroy, and to kill. I am come but to give thee life and to give it more abundantly. He gave me two sets. I call up the uh, Access Nova Scotia where you lose your license. And I went to court. I just finished going to court the other day, like with, with the fourth time. And I owed 5500 and the Lord paid. He paid it off, basically. He paid it off for me. Now I'm driving. And before he paid it off, he bought me a B&W. And I call it my Jesus mobile. So I drive my brothers and sisters around wherever, you know, they drive, I'm there. Um, 
the scripture says, don't be afraid to ask the Lord if you're abiding his word. It's Genesis 2 and verse 18, I believe. Jesus said to Adam, man, this is not meant to be alone, so I'm going to supply a helpmeet for you. So I kept reading that to the Lord. And now I got my beautiful woman. And, like, she's really humble. And she's, we just got off the phone before we read uh, Chapter 7, The Adventist Home. I just rent a room now with another church member. And um, I asked the Lord, I said, I said, am I going to be able to have my own home? And um, the long story short, I went for a real estate appointment the other day. And Grace and I got off the phone last night. And we're getting, we're, we're looking for a home. This is what kind of God we're dealing with. He owns everything down here. And even though it's it's craziness going on, if you look, and you don't have to look too hard, you'll see Jesus because we're in the last days. He wants us, his remnant church, to tell the three angels' message. Tell the people that he's going to be coming soon. Get out of Babylon now. Jesus is with us. Um, this is what I believe in my heart. If you're married um, and you're abiding the Lord's word and you have an Adventist home, the Lord leads to that marriage. I don't believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to get divorce papers. I know the scripture says that marriage is not going to be, but I believe I said to Grace, um, the table it's going to have our names on it, and we're going to be welcome together. Yes, Brother Clement, you have just said that once we fully trust in God, then he works so many miracles in your life. And as you said, you know, everything here on earth is his. And I couldn't agree with you anymore that, you know, God has not called us into marriage for divorce. But, you know, he has called us together for us to be together for eternity. Yes, uh, we don't know how things will be in heaven. But there's a songwriter that puts it this way, you know. There's a light in the window and there's a table set in splendor. Someone is standing by the open door. I can see a crystal river. It must be near forever. I've never been this homesick before. And I, as I listen to your testimony... I can get that homesick feeling for heaven in your your voice. I, I notice you are able to quote, you know, Bible verses, you know, just like a snap of the finger. So this question, though, I already know the answer, but just for you to say from the horse's mouth to speak, you know, how do you really actively invest in your own spiritual growth? I'm listening to you speaking, and yes, you say you paint, but you're not focusing on, your painting, yes, you did mention, you know, God has provided you with different things, but your focus has always been on how God has been, you know, working things out in your life. So how do you actively invest in your own spiritual growth? The scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. When I was in prison, she wrote a book. Uh, what's her name? Her name will come to me in a minute. But she wrote a book. Get off your knees and pray. I never got that out of my mind. And I wonder, you know, the Lord says pray without ceasing. So I figured this out. I can't get on my hands and knees 24 hours a day or I wouldn't be able to work feeding my family. So he must mean to make like we're doing now, even though we're only in this short interview, Miles told me about you. And I prayed for the Holy Spirit to be in this meeting with us because two or more and Jesus is here. So I feel really friendly and close to you, Marilyn. What I do is... Sorry, Brother Clement, the author you are referencing is Sheila Walsh. Yeah, that's right, Sheila Walsh. That's it, Sheila Walsh. Praise the Lord. But when I wake up in the morning... I do my morning devotion. I wake up fairly early because I work out before I go to work. And when I'm doing my morning devotion, I 
put on um, my armor daily. I ask the Lord to anoint me with ISAF. Let me invest in his mercy and put on his love, which Jesus. I want to walk with him 24-7. And I get on my hands and knees and I pray to him. I ask him to forgive me for each and every sin, the sins that I know about and the sins that I don't know about. And if any sins come into my mind, I'll mention them. And, and I'll ask the Father to forgive me and name of his son Jesus. And then I'll usually put on a, I have YouTube, so I'll put on something of 3ABN, Pastor Bassler, Pastor Myers, Pastor Finley, um, somebody. I watch our lessons on TV um, over and over because I believe um, repetition leaves impression. Repetition leaves impression. And I memorize scripture. And how I first started memorizing scripture is when I was in prison, I'd write down a scripture and I'd say it over and over until I got it down in my head. Sometimes it take me a whole day, but then I'd have it. So I memorized scripture because the Lord said, you know, one day they're going to come. We're not going to have the Bible anymore. We have to keep his word hidden in our heart. So this set of headphones that I get on, a brother from our church gave me these uh, a few years ago. So where I go to work to paint, I can put my headphones on and I can listen to presentation after presentation. So now I'm listening to, um, there's a presentation from Pastor Ivor Myers, Back to the Basics in Prophecy. And there's 11 installments. So I listen to those over and over this is what I believe the Lord is sanctifying me to do, teach this message to the people. Back to the basics and prophecy. Bible first to unify, maybe unify with the Lord, because the Lord's word is clear. So anything big that's going on or anything that happened or what's going to happen, it's in the scripture. So I pray daily. And this is, this is what Grace and I are. She's a lot smarter than me. She's a professor. So the Lord put us together. We can do our, our little ministry together. That's all I want to do in life now is plant seeds for the Lord. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up in the last day. I claim that scripture for me and Marilyn right now, Father. I claim it for me and Marilyn. You know how hard Brother Marilyn works for you. And I want to do what he's doing. I want to do what he's doing, but I want to do it how you want me to do it. I just want to try to plant seeds for you so people will know that Jesus is still in charge here. He won the battle 2,000 years ago, and he's going to be back any day now. So I, I'm so happy when I was with the dragon, I was always miserable and sad. And I always had some sort of a devious plan how to get more money for drugs and liquor. And now it's just well. When I say well, the Lord knows when I say well, that means what he did in my life is just well. It's hard for me to even get the words out because people would say, well, yes, the Lord does that. Yes, the Lord does that. I really impress my church because everything that he does, you know, I testify, give the glory to Jesus. That's what I'm trying to do here in this interview. And a lot of my Jamaican uh, friends, they say, well, you know, we're, we're not so open. They're starting to speak out. You know, we got to take a page from Brother Clement's book and tell the world what the Lord is doing for us, because that's what Jesus wants. If I could have done this, I'd say to my son, I would have done it a long time ago, but I couldn't do it. Jesus is the one who breaks the chains. Jesus is the one who gave his life so we could live again. And how, you know, how wouldn't we want to tell people that? 
The gospel itself means good news. And we got to tell the good news to the people. And the Lord wants us to do it, stand in the gap of the three angels' message, and to tell our stories. So I try my best, you know. I never did none of this. Amen. It's not what God has done for Abraham or for Isaac or Paul, but what has God done for you? I'm going to ask you at this time, Brother Clement, just to speak to two particular members of the audience. So someone who is in a situation where maybe they are somewhat stuck, you know, they are in a difficult space they would want to overcome, but not too sure if it's possible. That's one member of the audience. And the second member of the audience is someone who might be praying for a brother, a sister or a friend, you know, someone who is going down a path that they are not really um, satisfied with. You have been down a path that, you know, it's not recommended, but you have overcome and you are triumphing as a result of that experience of Christ, you know. So I would want you to speak to someone who might be doubting God's ability to bring deliverance. The devil's here to make everything look dark and you can't get out. Scripture tells us that even though the people who are going up the wrong road, if we ask the Father in Jesus' name to intercede, he will intercede because we give him the legal right to do that. I would answer that question by saying this. I have a son who is on cocaine and, and drugs now, and he has a girlfriend. And I've been telling him about the Lord over and over. And yesterday, his girlfriend drove over, over to my house. Tears in her eyes. The Lord, the Holy Spirit, because we pray for her every day. The Lord told her to drive to my house, and I took her to my church, and she went to the church where our Sabbath was yesterday here in Canada, and she stayed for almost seven hours. She met all my brothers and sisters, and Sister Sarita, the girl who gave the presentation yesterday, she drove hours to get to our church. She's from Shelburne, and our church is hours away, and she gave a presentation on abused women for being abused. And how much the Lord loves them. And she was reading scripture after scripture. And afterwards, there was an altar call. And I took Lindsay up. And Lindsay was crying through the whole service. And then Sister Sarita grabbed um, Lindsay. And the two of them are, are hooked up now. They got each other's number. Lindsay's in an abused woman's program. She left with a Bible and a quarterly. I can't stop talking about Jesus. The Lord intercedes if you ask. So here's what I would say to anybody who thinks they're in such a dark hole they can't get out, or their friend or their family members in that hole. Um, drop down on your knees. There's no tomorrow. Do it now. Salvation is now. Ask the Lord to forgive you for each and every sin that you committed, the Father, and ask him in his son Jesus' name. And... Ask Jesus to come into your heart. And for your, your family member who is suffering, ask Jesus to go into their hearts and help them. And he said, even though the people who are, who are suffering don't ask him in, if you ask him in, it's his legal right to go in then. He can go in and help like he did to my friend Lindsay yesterday. Trust me, whoever's listening to this message, Jesus is still in charge down here, and he will be back soon. He's going to come back for his unblemished church. He gave his life. He loves you that much. He gave his life, his omnipresence. When next time when you see him, he's going to look like us. He loves us that much. We're going to ask him, how did you get them holes in your hands? How did you get them holes in your feet and that hole in your side? And he's going to tell us. But we're not going to remember the madness. We're not going to remember the madness no more. I was in the darkest hole. The devil was even trying to get me to kill myself. But I wasn't brave enough because the Lord was with me. And where I'm at now, it's just, uh, I just, I'm so excited for walking with Jesus. And I'll never go back to that place again. Only because I asked Jesus in my heart.
Amen. Praise the Lord. I, I must say thanks for taking the time out today to share your empowering testimony, one of transformation and victory. My guest today, friends, listening audience, is Brother Clement James Reed. I introduce him as a painter, but his life is very much more than that. It is one of a total transformation. In the past, you would have been painting terror, destruction across the world, but today he's painting words of hope, words of inspiration for those who are willing to listen so that they can enjoy. So, Brother Clement, just before you go, do you have any parting words to share with our listening audience? Um, I just want to tell everybody, um, John 10.10, 10, the enemy, the dragon, that's the devil. He comes to steal, destroy, and to kill. I am come but to give thee life and to give it more abundantly. These words of the Lord, he speaks in these words. No matter how dark the devil's making you feel right now, no matter how bad your heart feels, Jesus is not going to force you. The scripture says that he doesn't delight in anybody's death. He's not going to force you, but trust me. Trust a guy that came from the darkest holes, 10 years in prison, um, no teeth, nothing. And the Lord gave me it all back and more. What I have to say, just ask Jesus in your heart. Malachi 3 and verse 10, this is what the Lord says. Keep my storehouse full, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour down such a blessing on you, you won't be able to handle it all. Test me on that. The Lord is saying, test me. He's asking you to test him. Test the Lord and see if my words are right. You can get out of that dark hole. Your friend, your family can get out. Jesus will lead you out of that dark hole. Just give him a chance, please. In Jesus' name, I, I pray these things for everybody. Amen. Just test the Lord and trust him to lead you out of that dark hole. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Lord Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page, click like, and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world. 